son therefore shall make you free. He shall be free indeed. We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for December 11th, 2011. And uh, today we're going to be covering pretty much a, a dedicated study. I guess you really wouldn't consider this a current event study so much, um, as although we are going to be talking about current events. We're going to be looking at the actual, true, shocking meaning of the word Christmas. The actual, real meaning of it. If you actually break this word down and look at it... Um, from several different angles, from several different sources, and they all basically come to the same conclusion, and it's not good. Uh, we're also going to be looking at the uh, heavy-duty heavy look relating to that, because the word Christmas has a lot to do with the Catholic Church. We're going to be looking at uh, the articles entitled The Pope's New Evangeliz- uh, Evangelization Program, uh, Bishop Ricken, Greg Laurie, and Calvary Chapel. We're going to be looking at that particular subject, uh, we're going to be doing a lot of uh, in-depth looking at the Catholic Mary. Uh, the Bible would literally refer to her as the Queen of Heaven, essentially. It's not the Mary of the Bible. It's a knockoff. It's a perverted version of that. And we're going to be looking at a lot of the ways that she is being worshipped, revered around the world, and Her place in actually even the book of Revelation, the coming New World Order, um, how most likely this fallen angelic imposter, Mary, most likely fallen angelic, maybe she's a high-level devil, hard to say, uh, how she will actually be used, and I don't mean even say it's a she, but the actual veneer is that of a female in this particular case how this entity is going to be used in order to bring about, or at least be a major part in bringing about the New World Order, particularly the religious aspect of the New World Order. And uh, we're going to be taking a look at the various ways that she is worshipped around the planet. And I mean, this is some really sick stuff. I mean, just beyond blasphemy. The things that the Catholic Church does... There's, there's really not even words to describe some, or so many of the sick, sick things that they do under the guise of religion, under the guise of really idol worship is what it boils down to. Bowing down to graven images. Uh, the whole thing about they have with relics and, you know, the bones. and There's a lot of pictures in this particular study that um, it's actually 27 pages, but probably about half of that is pictures. So I, I don't really know how the, long the study will be today. Uh, might be two hours, might be three. It's hard to say. But there's a lot of pictures that go along with this. And uh, I would highly advise that if you're going to listen to this teaching, if at all possible, try to follow along on the PDF so you can really get the visual impact. <laughs> Particularly toward the end with some of these pictures that they've got. With uh, that, they're. I mean, these are actual pictures in the Catholic Church. They're they're not doctored. They're not made up. These are. Uh, they're just mind blowing. So let's go ahead and start out with the uh, the true shocking meaning of the word Christ Mass or Christmas. Where do we get this word from? 
All right. They tell us, now this is from uh, actually a study that uh, David Meyer of Last Trumpet Ministries, he's passed away, I believe in the last year, um, Pastor Meyer did. And he had some really good, I mean, pretty much every month, uh, his newsletters were, were really cutting edge. One of the guys that really, when I first started out in ministry, if you ever listen to any of my early stuff, I really read a lot right from some of his newsletters a lot. Now there's just so much news that it's just hard to even keep up with. By the time you'd almost get a newsletter, sometimes it's dated some of the actual current event material. Uh, But his newsletters were were just amazing. And uh, he was one of the ones that kind of inspired me to to start doing the research that I've been doing. Of course, I've been doing this a long time, but I just really believe he was on the cutting edge. And this is actually one of his tracks that is, I think he's got like four different tracks on on uh, Christmas. And they're all referenced. I mean, everything in here is actually has some type of reference. And it's the last Trumpet Ministries. I actually give you a link for the track at the end of this little particular thing here. So, they tell us that it's the season to be jolly. It's the time of ornaments, red and green, decorations, silver bells, holly, mistletoe, and colored lights. It is the time of department store Santas calling our out the universal mantra, Ho, 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 Merry Xmas. And you realize why I'm not going to say the whole word in a little bit. Uh, nearly all the realm, or the whole phrase I should say, Nearly the whole realm of so-called Christianity join in and repeat the same greeting, Merry Xmas, but you know what they, the other, the, the full, the full meaning is what they say. Although we hear these words constantly as they resonate millions of times throughout the land, almost no one understands what they're really saying. It is the purpose of this tract to take the words, Merry, you know what, and examine the true meaning and essence of those words. So we're going to break down the actual word, Christmas itself, and see what it actually means. A true Christian would want to examine everything they say, because Jesus said in Matthew twelve thirty six and 37, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Uh, we will now set aside all the customs, glitter, and traditions of Christmas, and which were taken from pagan witchcraft and popularized by the Roman Catholic Church, and we will focus on the true meaning of the words Mary, you know what, Xmas. The word Mary is simple to define. It unquestionably means to be happy, joyful, and lighthearted. The word Mary fits into the ambiance of laughter and frivolity. This word Mary is itself uh, innocent and innocuous enough. Okay, But as we will now see, it becomes heinously blasphemous when used in conjunction with the word Christmas. That's where we get into the problem. Here let it be noted that most people think the word Christmas means the birth of Christ. But by definition, it means the death of Christ. And I will prove it by using the World Book Encyclopedia, also a Catholic encyclopedia, and a book entitled The Mass, meaning the Catholic Mass, in slow motion. If you're honest, sincere, and a discerning Christian, please read on. If not, you might as well just stop right here. The World Book Encyclopedia defines Christmas as follows. The word Christmas comes from the word Christus Massi, an English phrase that means Mass of Christ. 
It is interesting to note that the word mass is also used by the Roman Catholics as traditionally and, it, um, and has traditionally been rejected by the so-called Protestants such as Lutherans, Baptists, Lutherans, Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterians, Pentecostals, and so on. Actually, Baptists really wouldn't be considered a Protestant. That's a whole other study. But if you ever want to know about that, get the book by Dr. Phil Stringer called Faithful Baptist Witness. Now, I'm not saying this to promote the Baptists so much as I am to actually understand the true lineage of Christians that came up where they were first called Christians in Antioch, as the Bible says in Acts, and then this separate line. See, the Protestants came out of the Catholic Church. They were protesting what was going on in the Catholic Church. And these other denominations like the um, Lutherans and the Presbyterians and these came from that. So they had baggage with them. Um, there was another line, though, that came up that was separate and was never yoked up with the Catholic Church. And that's the ones I'm in reference to. And that book, Faithful Baptist Witness, to me it's not a, an issue of Baptist or, or whatever. It's about the actual history. And it's very well written. Anyway, that's a good book to know. Uh, look at if you want to know more about that. Let's go further here. Let's see here. Lost where I was at. Okay. Um, let me just read the last line again. It is interesting to note the word mass, as used by Roman Catholics, has traditionally been rejected by the so-called Protestants, such as Lutherans, Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterians, Pentecostals, and so on. The word mass is a strictly a Catholic word, and thus so is Christ mass. Christmas. It would stand a reason that since all these denominations love and embrace Christ Mass, or Christmas, that December 25th is the great homecoming day, when all of the Protestants become Catholic for a day. It would seem that, because see, they started this. Christmas was originally Saturnalia, the Roman pagan debauchery holiday of Saturnalia, the birth of the sun god Tammuz. Not the birth of the Son of God, but the Son God, Tammuz. But, see, the Catholics changed it. Oh, no, 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 it's actually, it really means the birth of Christ, even though that couldn't possibly be the day that he was born. And we've got into that before. So, again, it has a lot to do with death and rebirth, and from from a pagan standpoint, big time. It has a lot to do with the winter solstice, the shortest day of the year... Uh, I've done a whole study on on Christ Mass that I included the link at the end of this for a full study. I don't know how much I got into this actual little thing I'm doing right now, though, where we actually break down the word. So, it would be a very good thing, if you have not listened to that study, to listen to the study after you listen to this teaching, uh, because it's a pagan holiday. It's always been a pagan holiday. The Catholic Church puts some... Christian little candy-coated veneer on it to appease whatever so-called Christians they could they could um, yoke up with after the formation of the Catholic Church around 318. Of course, that took place a little bit later, the actual paganization of the holidays. But we have the Catholic Church to thank for basically the paganization of all, as far as the, not paganization, but the Christianization of a lot of these different holidays. Ishtar, Easter, totally pagan holiday. I've, I've done again. I've done a whole study on that. You could go on and on and on. So, if you want to know if there's any particular holiday you're interested in, just do a 
of course, I've only done Easter, Halloween, and Christmas. I, I really need to do one on Valentine's Valentine's Day. Maybe I'll get that get to that this year. That's another one that's really really bad. But anyway, you can do a keyword search at, at contendingfortruth.com if you want to know more about that. So let's go further here. So December 25th is the great homecoming day when all the Protestants come, become Catholic for a day. It would seem that all the so-called wayward daughters of the Romish church return to their mother. Why? Because most of the denominations that are out there would be considered Protestant if they're Christian. And therefore, the Catholic Church is looking at them like, and I've done studies on this, in fact, I include all most of the studies I've done on Catholicism uh, near the end of this PDF, this 27-page PDF, where we get into various issues of Catholicism, because there's so many, there's so many ways that they're evil, so many aspects to cover, the pedophile priesthood, you know, the bowing down to graven images, the whole Mary worship thing, the whole salvation by works, the whole white witch crap, the, oh, I mean, there's just so many things to try to cover. It's almost impossible, you know, getting into their different doctrines of purgatory and transubstantiation, and it's just blasphemy after blasphemy after blasphemy. Put up the thing last week about uh, that poor nun that was in the that convent for, I don't know, was it decades? Like in a dungeon, essentially. And how she escaped. Uh, it was another country. They never did say the country that it was. Um, at least I wasn't, if it, they said it, I didn't catch it. But I mean, that was just beyond horrific. And that's just one aspect of how evil and wicked the Catholic Church is. I love it. This week I got accused of being a Jesuit, uh, the spawn of a Jesuit. I'm thinking, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Really makes a lot of, totally unsubstantiated. It's like spouting off about things that didn't even matter or make sense. Of course, I get a lot of those emails from people that want to rail. They just kind of rail, kind of just go on like madmen. Uh, but that was a first for me. That was a first. It make, makes a lot of sense considering I've got so many studies exposing them, and the Jesuits. And we're going to get a lot more into the Jesuits in particular uh, next week. Uh, Lord willing, Lord willing, I have a whole... This whole study today is voted to exposing Catholicism and the Jesuits and their false Mary. The whole nine yards. So, let's go further here. Uh, so, it would seem that all of the so-called wayward daughters of the Romish church return to their mother. And this is exactly how the Roman Catholic Church views the Protestant denominations, as their wayward daughters, and they're, they're getting ready to come back to her. And there is an exodus from Protestantism back into the Catholic Church, even with the Charismatics. You know there's Charismatic Catholics? When I was in the Charismatic Church, I used to teach a Bible study on Tuesday nights, I believe. We had like 30 or 40 people show up, and here I was pretty much a baby Christian teaching a Bible study to 30, 40 people. And uh, but I had a lot of zeal, and that's the biggest thing uh, with charismatics. Anyway, um, and I had this charismatic Catholic guy come every week. And until I got into some things on the Catholic Church, because even at that point I knew that there was major problems with the Catholic Church, and that was the last time we saw him. But there is a gigantic yoking up of the signs and wonders that is what's drawing people back into the Catholic Church. And if you think you've seen 
or if, if you think that there hasn't been enough signs and wonders to draw a lot of other people back into that, you, you've really seen nothing yet because they're only going to increase. Lying, signs, and wonders. And miracles is the chief way by which the false prophet and the Antichrist are going to deceive the whole world according to the Bible. That's the main way. It's going to happen. So that is what Catholicism, much of Catholicism is absolutely wrapped up in. Not only false religion, but lying, signs, and wonders. All these Marian apps apparitions and in, in the the you know the magical waters at Lourdes and uh, you know the Lady of Guadalupe and all this garbage these demonic fallen angelic appearances that are that are happening I would love to be right in the middle of that with a King James Bible just to be you know actually go to one of those things and actually pray against whatever wickedness is manifesting itself. Maybe pray that it would have to actually show itself for what it really is. Not for some flowing woman in robes that's coming to you, preaching to you a stinking false gospel. Telling telling you, oh, I am Mary, the co-redemptrix. I am the mediator between you and my son, Jesus Christ. That's what she's saying. But the Bible says there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. There's no co-redemptrix. Jesus Christ is our Redeemer. Not Mary and Jesus. But see, that's what the Catholics are taught. That Mary is the way you get to Jesus because he's up there. They picture him as this really angry, um, her angry son up there, beating on the sides of the throne. This is how the Boston Catechism book portrays him. And then Mary's the only one that can go up there to appease him. Because it's, obviously it's, it's his mother. And so, you know, that's how they portray it. That's, that's the kind of garbage that they teach. Just one of the many blasphemies. So, going further here. Uh, Thus, all of the so-called Protestant churches could sing to the Pope that popular song, I'll Be Home for Christmas. <laughs> that's how the Catholics view the Protestant. They, they, they know it's just a matter of time before all these... Not only that, they're all, in particular in America, they're all corporations anyway. They're all 501c3 corporations yoked up with the government. What's the big stretch for them to be yoked up now with the mother that they originally had come out of? That's what's going to happen. How do you think we're going to have a one-world religion if that doesn't happen? It's not just going to be the pseudo-Christian denominations. And I'm not saying there's not true believers in in, uh, any of the Protestant denominations. But they're going to have to get out. They're going to have to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, according to Second uh, Corinthians. You know, they're going to have to do that at some point. They're not supposed to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, and all, most of the people in the church are actually unbelievers. And and when things start to really go down, and this real big-time push for the New World Order gets kicked into high gear and all the signs and wonders come, you're going to see the true colors of these people. They're going to show themselves to truly be unbelievers at this point. They're, they're not going to be able to play church anymore. They're going to have to make a decision. Are you going to serve Satan? Are you, going to, are you going to embrace the strong delusion that God said he was going to send in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2? And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned to receive not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. See, God's going to send it. He's 
People are clamoring for deception. They want to be deceived. Speak to us smooth things, as the Bible says. Don't take away this Holy One, this Jesus Christ. They don't want to know about that. They really don't. They want to know about lies and deception and things that make them feel good. For the most part. Not everybody, but for the most part. So we're we're kind of on the cusp of that right now. And Christmas, of all things, I mean, let's look at it. It's the one time of the year where truly you will see no problem with every secular person just about, and also people that call themselves Christians, they could all yoke up and get on the same page and get on the same team, and it's no problem whatsoever. One big happy family. Again, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And of all things, why would God want you unequally yoked together with unbelievers on the most blasphemous pagan holiday that exists, save maybe Easter, Ishtar? I still think Christmas is probably worse in God's eyes. I don't know. I mean, it's pr- pretty pretty much neck and neck, I would imagine. But then again, I'm not God, so thank God I'm not God. But, um, you know, it's uh, of all days of the year. People have no problem with it. They'll be in lockstep with the secular crowd on Christmas. And no, oh, we put the Christ back in Christmas. Christ was never in Christmas. It was Saturnalia. It was the false pagan Christ. The sun god, Tammuz. Or you could call him other things as well. There were different names for the sun god. And this is a big thing that the zeitgeist whole movement uses to try to debunk the Christ of the Bible. When it wasn't the Christ of the Bible, Jesus Christ of the Bible, never had anything to do with Saturnalia. Never had anything to do with the birth of the sun god. But the Catholic Church pulled their version of Jesus Christ and made him this. And so the zeitgeist people can come after the fact and say, see, look what the Christians did. No, 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 Mr. Zeitgeist person. It wasn't the Christians that did it. It was the Catholics who have never been Christians. They're as pagan as you are. They're, you know. But see, it's so convenient for them to, to, to lump all Bible-believing Christians in with Catholics. And here the Catholics are. Look at the fruit of them. Inquisition alone. Over, over 50 million dead martyrs. Oh, yeah, that's biblical. The, the, Jesus Christ told us to go around and just slaughter and kill and torture and, 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 and then all of the, you know, the pedophile priesthood and all the blood that's been spilled on all the martyrs and the horrific ways they would torture people. Yeah, yeah, that's biblical. Yeah, but, but I love to be lumped in with that, Mr. Zeitgeist guy, because I really deserve to be, even though I've never been a Catholic, even though I have nothing to do with it. I mean, I'm talking from a Christian standpoint. But they love to lump all of Christianity, Bible believers, pseudo, lukewarm, all together. You know why? Because it's so convenient. It's such an easy scapegoat for them. And they could just point to the Catholic Church and say, See, listen, this is the same sun god we, we pagans have worshipped for thousands of years. is the same one you're worshipping. And it's because of what the Catholic Church has done. That's what they're pointing to. Which is absolutely asinine. They have not even remotely done their homework. Well, they wouldn't want to do their homework because they wouldn't want to actually get the real truth on that. And I give them the real truth on the two different teachings I've done exposing the zeitgeist and the zeitgeist addendum, which you can just key in the zeitgeist in um, the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com and you'll, you'll 
hear more about that. And I actually, I went up this week and, like, that's kind of a hard word to spell. I mean, to spell it correctly, I didn't know how to spell it right the first time I ever did it. I'm not really great at spelling, to be honest. Anyway, um, never liked English in this subject. But anyway, so if you go up there, what I did is I, I put a whole bunch of keywords in there, like possible ways you could spell it, like all the wrong ways to spell it. So pretty much any way you're going to key it in, you'll find it. So I did that to make it a little more convenient. Because I was having a hard time finding it. I mean, you know, who knew? Anyway, let's go further. Uh, so, as previously stated, the word mass in a religious usage means a death or a death sacrifice. That's what the word mass, Catholic mass, that's what it actually means. Death, sacrifice. The impact of this fact is horrifying and shocking. For when the millions of people are saying, Merry Xmas... They are literally saying, Mary, death of Christ. That's what it means. Let me say that again. When the people are saying, Mary, Xmas, they are literally saying, Mary, death of Christ. Now, how blasphemous is that? Furthermore, when the fat man in the red suit laughs and boisterously says, Ho, 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 Mary, Xmas, he is mocking and laughing at the suffering and bleeding of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins. What do you think of that? I told you the holiday's pure evil. Pure evil. With a Christianized veneer thanks to the Roman Catholic Church. Going back hundreds and hundreds of years. He does this, the, the, the uh, Satan clause. Uh, I mean, all you have to do is rearrange a couple letters. you got Satan and Santa Claus. Satan Claus does this while the parents place their little children on his waiting arms to hear his false promises of gifts that he says he will give them. The whole thing about Christmas is a total lie from the pit of hell. Anyway, I mean, just the whole premise of it. And everything that has to do with Christmas, all the symbology, the Christmas tree, the wreaths, have all of these blasphemous true meanings if you look at how witches view them. Yule, the time of Yule. You know Yuletide? You hear that in songs? It is a flat-out pagan time of year that pagan occultists take very, very seriously. And that the highest sects of them have always celebrated through human sacrifice. I'm not making this stuff up. Read, just go to the um, teaching I did on this. Look at the PDF. And it's, I, I give it at the end of this, the, the links to it on the PDF. So, uh, consider what you're saying when you say Merry Xmas. So what is so amusing about our Saint Savior's painful death? What's so funny? Why is Santa laughing? Why are you going to go along with it? Your words do count and Satan knows it. Yes, the word mass does mean death sacrifice. And to cement that fact, we will consider the definition of the inventors of the religious application of the word mass. Who would that be? The Catholics, obviously. I mean, if anybody's going to know what the word mass is, it's the Catholics, right? So, looking at page 537 of the Catholic Encyclopedia, it says, quote, In the Christian law, the supreme sacrifice is that of the Mass. It goes on to say, quote, The supreme act of worship consists essentially in offering a worthy victim to God. The offering made by a proper person as a priest, the destruction of the victim. Please note carefully the word victim of the, the mass that we just gave you the definition of. The Latin word for victim is 
hostia, which is derived from the word host, which is where the word host is derived from. The mass, by definition of those who coined the word, is a sacrifice involving a victim. That is what it means. Christ mass, the sacrifice of the victim, the death of Christ. That is their victim. This is why when you go into a Catholic church, their Catholic Jesus is still hanging up on the cross. How he's portrayed on crucifixes. Jesus Christ isn't on the cross anymore. He hasn't been on the cross, you know, for about 2,000 years. And he was only up there for a very brief time. When he said it was finished, it was finished. We don't have to keep going like the Catholics believe through the process of transubstantiation where they literally believe the priest has the literal power to change the body the, the Catholic communion host and the wine into the literal, not symbolic, literal body and blood of Jesus Christ. Through, essentially through the Catholic priest, priest's power of witchcraft. I mean, what other power? It has to be some power. It's not holy power. They believe that they literally can change the Catholic communion host. Remember what they said about the host there? Um, let me just read that to you again. Please note carefully the word victim in the Mass. The Latin word for victim is hostia, which is where the word host is derived from. You see how this is all tying together? They believe the Catholic communion host is the literal body that has been changed by the Catholic priest into the literal body of Jesus Christ. They have to continually re-sacrifice Jesus on the cross every time they go to Mass, and then when they take the Catholic communion host, in order to atone for their sins. And that's just one of the ways they atone for their sins, because they do not believe that when Jesus Christ said it was finished, His finished work on the cross, the blood that He shed to cover our sin debt, to pay our sin debt, they do not believe that that's, that that can do that, that that can cover our sins. They believe it has to be this process of works. Part mass, part confessional, part whatever. It goes on and on and on. Part praying to whatever. It, it, there's so many different ways they believe you earn your way ultimately to their Catholic heaven. Then you've got to get prayed out of purgatory, of course. You know, that's a whole other issue. But, this is what it means. So, the Latin word for... Um, oh, we already said that, okay. So, mass by definition of those who coined the word, the Catholics, is a sacrifice involving a victim. There is no other meaning for the word mass or Christ mass. On page 110 of the book entitled The Mass in Slow Motion, we find the following words. Quote, it is only with consecration that the sacrifice of the mass is achieved. I have represented the Mass to you more than once as a kind of ritual dance. It's witchcraft. It's just one of the many white, I would say you would call it another guess of white witchcraft, good witchcraft. That's how witches refer to it. Good pagan witchcraft. You know, it's a sacrifice of the Mass. It is, it is the sacrifice of their victim, their Catholic Jesus, over and over and over again. Because they do not believe what the Bible says. 
And then he goes on to say, I've represented the Mass to you more than once as a kind of ritual dance. That was a quote from that book they referenced. In essence, the Mass is a ceremonial slaying of Jesus Christ over and over again. Followed by the eating of his flesh and the drinking of his blood. And they believe it's literal. So how blasphemous is that? Do you think that if you were to do this over and over again, that God would be pleased or displeased? Do you think that possibly by going to Mass over and over again, you're going to get less demon-possessed or more demon or more demon-possessed, or let's say less demon-infested or more demon-infested? See, it's not just something that's neutral. Well, you know, I went. I mean, if you go to like, for argument's sake, 54 Masses in a particular year, are you going to be more infested with demons at the end of that year than you were at the start of the year? Well, you're doing something totally evil. Totally blasphemous. It's a witchcraft ceremony you're participating in. And the more witchcraft ceremonies you participate in, the more demon-infested you get. That's just a whole other issue to think about. The mass is a death sacrifice and the host is the victim. This is the official Roman Catholic doctrine, and Christmas is a word that they invented. Again, I ask, what is so merry about the pain, bleeding, suffering, and death of Jesus Christ? Satan has done quite a job of getting millions of so-called Christians to blaspheme. Uh, What a deceiver he is. Now you know the true meaning of the word Christmas or Mass of Christ. There is much more to know about this pagan holiday, and, and we will be glad to provide you with plenty of evidence that Jesus was not born on December 25th, and that Christmas is not only a lie, but it's actually the witch's Sabbat called Yule. It's their holy day. That's why they call them holidays. Why? Because it is a pagan holy day. That's where the word holiday was derived from. Holy day. It's actually a witch's Sabbat called Yule in clever disguise. Please contact us at the address below, and for the sake of your soul, flee from this idolatry. And that was David Meyer. All the references are here, and I give you a link to this track. I also give you the links to my teaching, uh, Xmas, the biggest pagan holiday of the year. Uh, Let me just read you this little definition. Uh, 1224, 1871. Pastor Charles H. Spurgeon said, quote, We have no superstitious regard for times and seasons. Certainly, we do not believe in the present ecclesiastical arrangement called Christmas. First, because we do not believe in any Mass at all. Get it? He got it back then. We do not believe in any Mass at all, because he knew it was Catholic, and they don't celebrate that. Death of a victim at their Mass. Okay, so we do not believe in any Mass at all, but abhor it, whether it be sung in Latin or in English, obviously this is totally in reference to the Catholic Church. Secondly, because we find no scriptural warrant whatsoever for, for observing any day as the birthday of the Savior. And consequently, and consequently, its observance is superstition. Now I give you then my link to my teaching called The Shocking Origin of the Customs of Celebrating Birthdays. Because that's not good either. I'm sorry, there's just no Bible for it. And it's pagan. And it's in its uh, origin, just like Christmas. I'm really raining on a lot of parades today, but, you know, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Galatians 4.16. See, I know it, so it's my responsibility to tell you because I love you enough to tell you the truth. 
It was not until the middle of the 3rd century that any part of the church celebrated the birth of of our Lord. Probably the fact is that the holy days were arranged to fit in with the heathen festivals. Now, this is still Charles Spurgeon speaking. And again, middle of the 3rd century that any part of the church celebrated the birth of our Lord. Well, that's going to be totally in Catholicism, because now they're starting to Christianize pagan holidays. And I really wouldn't reference that, the church. I, I don't think the true church was doing that. But the church that was being assimilated into the Catholic church, the Christians that had, were being assimilated into that, yes. So I just want to clarify that. Anyway, probably the fact is that the, the holy days were arranged to fit in with the heathen festivals. Absolutely. That way it's a win-win proposition for the Catholic Church. We get both crowds. We get the heathens and we get the lukewarm Christians. Hey, this is good. This is good for business. The love of money, you know, is the root of all evil, so that worked out for them too. Then they could keep them in the false bondage of this false religion and then get them good and demon-infested with all their little pagan things they were doing all the time. Get them good and demon-possessed and totally blinded to the truth. Definitely aren't going to let them read the Bible or give them any kind of Bible they could possibly comprehend or read. Put that all in the hands of the pedophile priesthood. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Then it goes on to say, he goes on to say, we venture to assert that if there be any day in the year of which we may be sure that it was not the day on which our Savior was born, it is the 25th of December. (laughs) So if there's any day on on the calendar that we're sure he wasn't born, that's the day. But it was the birth of the sun god Tammuz, according to the pagans. Regarding not the day, let us give God let us give God thanks for the gift of his dear son. How absurd to think we, we could do it in the spirit of this world, with a Jack Frost clown, a deceptive worldly Santa Claus, and a mixed program of truth of sacrifice truth with fun, deception and fiction. Yeah. Now this was this was back in eighteen seventy one this was said by Pastor Spurgeon here. The Catholics and the High Episcopalians may have their Christmas one day in 365 days, but we have Christ, the Christ gift the entire year. So in other words, it's something that, regarding the true birth of Christ, yeah, in your hearts, it would be something to always celebrate. Okay, But don't yoke it up with a pagan holiday. That's, that's, that's blasphemous. Learn not the way of the heathen. That's what the Bible says in Jeremiah. And then it goes on to talk about a Christmas tree, essentially. They layeth an axe to the tree. They deck it with gold and silver. It's a Christmas tree. It's in Jeremiah. That's all. Anyway, I get into that in the Christmas study I do. But December 25th is known as the nativity of the sun or the birth date of Tammuz, the sun god. That's what it's actually known as. And that was my little thing there at the end. Anyway, um, that's, hopefully that'll give you a really good idea of what this word actually means and why you want to stay away from it and why we want to have nothing to do with it. Uh, now, let's go ahead and switch gears and we'll go on to the Pope's new evangelization program, Bishop Ricken, Greg Laurie, and Calvary Chapel. This is commentary by Roger Oakland of understandingthetimes.org doesn't mean that I would have to agree with every single thing a particular person says or their, all their theologies but this is a really good article that we can glean from a lot of truth regarding the yoking up remember we were talking about you know 
how the Catholic Church views her, these Protestants, well, they're going to be coming home to the mother soon. It's already happening. And this is evidence of this. Big time, there's a gigantic push for this. Why? Who's responsible? Well, Satan. If you want to go to the top of the food chain, sure, Satan. But they're pre-positioning their ministers, who many times have been in ministerial positions for decades, at the head of these particular ministries, like Calvary Chapel, like Rick Warren, uh, these types of people, like you know the hyper-Pentecostals, the Benny Hins, those types of people, Paul and Jan Crouch, who actually has Catholic priests on... You know, Billy Graham had Catholic priests on stage with him many times when he did his crusades. I don't know if you knew that, but I've done a whole teaching on Billy Graham, exposing uh, much of the evil. Just key in Billy Graham in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. There has been a big push for decades to bring about this ultimate re-yoking up of Protestantism with the Catholic Church. And it's only ramping up and getting worse, and it will continue to get worse, particularly as the lying signs and wonders increase, because that's going to be the thing that seals the deal for most people. Jesus Christ said, though, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. So, signs aren't what you want. I'm not saying God can't give you a sign. But it's not like you want to be like laying out, you know, fleeces all the time like they did, you know, in the Bible, I mean, that's, that just shouldn't be the habit you get into. I'm not saying that he can't ever work that way. But when you're living your life based on that, the devil will come along and meet you at your need. It's just not the normal, typical way God communicates things. He communicates things primarily through the Word of God, the King James Bible. And I can't stress that enough. I don't think enough of my listeners understand how important that point is. I get a lot of email responses from listeners and they're using all these perverted Bibles. And they might think it's trivial. Let me tell you something. It's not trivial. It is the Word of God. You don't mess with it. Those versions are from a perverted, guess what? Catholic manuscripts. The Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus. That spawned the 1881 revised version written and translated by two high-level occultists named Westcott and Hort. And they literally were occultists, these guys. And they were literally, basically like closet Catholics. You look at their own personal writings. They had seances and they had this club called the Ghostly Guild. I'm not making this stuff up. Where they got together and they communicated with the supposed dead. They were buddies with people like Charles Darwin and all kind of other reprobates. They also had a club called the Hermes Club. The God of Death or Underworld. Hermes. These were the guys that gave us the 1881 revised version which has literally spawned all of these other versions that we have today. They came from that. That If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? That's where they came from. The 1881 Revised Version. The NIV, the American Standard Version, the ESV, the Living Bible, you name it. And they're only getting more and more watered down and more and more perverted. If you are reading that Bible, you are reading a perverted... It's not a Bible. It either is the Word of God or it's not. You're reading a corrupted text. And if you read a corrupted text, you're gonna, it's gonna bear bad fruit. It's not a trivial matter. 
it wasn't, an, I didn't get out of the Pentecostal church until I finally got a hold of this. I was blinded to all the stuff that was going on in my life. I was in the charismatic church, big time, like a teaching and the whole nine yards. But when somebody had given me a tape that basically got into this issue of how corrupted the NIV was, and that the King James was a totally different line, translated from a totally different text, called the Textus Receptus, or the Byzantine text, or the Majority text, not the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus. The Sinaiticus was literally found in a trash can at the base of Mount Sinai. And this really, really mega, mega creepy Catholic monastery I've seen pictures of, there's like whole rooms of skulls and skeletons chained to walls. To this day, you can go take tours of it. It's at the base of Mount Sinai. That's why they call it the Sinaiticus. It was so such a piece of garbage, it was found in a trash can at a monastery with Catholic monks. That was one of the things they used to translate the 1881 Revised Version. And then the other one was the Vaticanus, which was one that had been in the Vatican for so long, it was so corrupted that even they knew not to touch it. That was why it was one of the oldest manuscripts ever discovered, because nobody would touch it. Even the, even the Catholics wouldn't. So those were the two great, wonderful things they used to translate the 1881 Revised Version of this two occultists. And they contradicted themselves in so many places that whenever they did, they finally just made up a rule and they said, well, whenever they contradict one another, we'll just go with the Vaticanus. Oh, that, that sounds biblical. Yeah. It really is important from a spiritual standpoint what Bible you're reading. It's not trivial. It, I mean, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, how can you build faith when you're, not, when you're reading a perverted, corrupted word of God? The Bible talks about the washing of the water of the word. How are you going to get washed? How are you going to become sanctified and cleansed reading the word of God when you're not reading the word of God? You're reading some perversion. The NIV has over 64,000 less words than the KJV. 60, that's almost 10% of the total text they've removed. And not only that, they've perverted and changed a lot of the other words. Why do they have to change all these words so much? Because... Notice, the KJV, you can go to a dollar store. I just got two last night. These really nice bound King James Bibles in a dollar store. And why can you go to a dollar store and get those? Because there's no copyright on it. Not in America. I understand there's a copyright in England. I believe that's the only place. But there's no copyright. Okay? All of these other versions, a big reason that they made them was to make money. American Standard. NIV, ESV, Living Translation. Every time they come out with another translation, they're going to have more customers. But in order to come out with that translation, they have to change a certain percentage of the words from the actual text from which it was derived in order to actually have a different copyright. If they have a copyright, that means you can't copy it. Therefore, you're going to pay more for that. Whereas a KJV, you can copy it. There's no copyright on it. That's why they, they, you'll typically only see KJV Bibles in dollar stores, at least in America, where you can literally get a whole King James Bible for a dollar. That's why. It's, it's about money as well. Perversion of the Word of God is the main motivation for Satan. Water down the Word, water down the Word, pervert it. So you, what you're, whatever you're reading has no power. It has no power. The Bible talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What if you're reading an NIV or an ESV or one of these other perverted Bibles? 
It's like the butter knife of the Spirit. It's not the sword of the Spirit. It's like the butter knife. It's like dull like a butter knife. It really is that important. I did not get my eyes open until I received that information about the KJV. I read it, and I'm like, oh my word. Or I actually watched this video, and I'm like, man, I can't deny this. This is like (laughs) overwhelmingly obvious what I need to do. But I kind of, I didn't, I didn't really do anything about it. I waited about a month. I molded around more. And then I actually went back to my Bible study that I mentioned before that I have with the Charismatic Catholic. And I actually went in there and I made this announcement. And I'm like, hey, listen, we really need to watch this video. I had everybody watch this video. And that was when literally my eyes became, started becoming open to what all of the heresy that was going on in the Charismatic Church. I did not see it prior to yielding to the King James Bible being the word of God in English-speaking language. I didn't see it. I was blinded to it. All of a sudden, I'm like, you know, even if tongues is biblical, we're not doing it the right way. I mean, like, everybody's praying at the same time. There's like, maybe one interpretation, if that. And then we've got hundreds of people. And all of this garbage that was going on in the charismatic church. And then so I started going to the pastors. And I'm like, hey, listen. And then I, I started, I tried to give them a tape that tape I had mentioned, and uh, give them some information on the King James Bible. And they're like, oh, no, this is just going to cause division among the brethren. And all, oh, no, 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 no. It's better to be, you know, united in truth than divided in error. Um, we need to be united in truth. Okay? And divided in error. If somebody's going to stay in error, the Bible says a heretic after the first and second admonition reject. Now, I'm not saying you go and you, you disfellowship with everybody over this particular issue. But it is a really major issue. It's not a trivial issue. Uh, and my eyes all of a sudden became opened. And I'm like, whoa. And then God started giving me more information. I got this like this 20-hour uh, set of tapes on the charismatic church. And they were slowing down the tongues. They were... You were hearing what they were saying kind of off the mic when they didn't think they were being recorded. Like people like Benny Hinn and Kenneth Copeland and Hagen and all those guys, Rodney Howard Brown. And they were sometimes reversing the tongues. And I mean, I could come to no other conclusion that other than that they were Satanists, all of them. It, but I didn't see any of this until I yielded to that. I just didn't see it. And so as a result... Um, I know what an impact it made on my life. And I, considering the days and times we're going into, this is not an issue that, you know, you want to just take lightly. Oh, I'm still going to read my versions and this and that. Uh, I'm telling you, they're derived from a corrupt text. They're, they're, they're perverted. They've been leavened. Bad doctrine, leavened, changed, taken away from. The Bible gives all these warnings about adding to or taking away from the Word of God. Just read the very, basically the very end of the Bible. Saying, if you take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, I will take out your part of the book of life. Whoa, I mean, that's eternal damnation in hell. That's how serious God takes this matter. And if you add to it, I will add unto you the plagues of this book. I don't think I want the plagues of the book of Revelation on me. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I don't. So it's not something I mess around with. And it's, it's anyway, I, when I got a hold of that, it made a gigantic difference. Probably the biggest thing that impacted me 
after I got saved was when I got a hold of that truth. And it wasn't my imagination. Because all of a sudden, things I were totally blind to, now all of a sudden I'm seeing clearly. Came out of the charismatic church. They, they had no answer for me. Every time they came up with something, I had, a, uh, I had something to give back to them. They gave me this book like The King James Debate, A Plea for Realism by this guy named White. And I went to Dot Pastor D.A. Waite, who I'm still... This guy's got over 60 plus years defending the Textus Receptus, the Hebrew Masoretic Text, and the King James Bible. The Textus Receptus and the Hebrew Masoretic Text are the underlying text are the underlying texts of the King James Bible. It's what they were derived from. They, they hadn't been corrupted like the Vaticanus or the Sinaiticus. And he gave he already had like audio cassette series and like papers, totally refuting the, this book page by page. It was a joke anyway. I, I read some of them like, is this the best this guy can do? Um, so I gave him that. They didn't want to see it. I can remember the last time I walked out of there, the head pastor said, shook my hand, says, don't let the devil throw you a curveball. <laughs> And I looked him right back in the eye and I said, I won't. And that guy got, I don't know, he had to leave like months after that because of some, I don't know, he got in trouble with a young girl there at the church. He had to go. I mean, this was a big Pentecostal church. Uh, I guess you'd consider it a mega church. Anyway, um, that was it. And then I, I showed the, about 10 people came out of the charismatic church with me. I showed them these tapes. It's 20 hours of tapes. They're up on the internet now. I sent them to a, a brother and he got them up on the internet this year. And, uh, um, I, I don't know. You could probably go up to YouTube and like Ken exposing the Toronto revival or those types of things. And uh, you should be able to find that. Also on the toolbar, the ContendingForTruth.com toolbar. I think they are available up there as well. You can go watch them up there. But all these people came out. I don't know, like 9 or 10. And they watched the tapes. Um, not only in the King James, but also this 20 hours of footage about the charismatics. They were all convinced. Nobody, there was really no, like, well, I don't know. Do you know, within about one to two years, every single one of them that I know of was right back in that charismatic garbage? Why? Because it appeals to the heart. It's so deceptive. It's so... The pull to go back, because it's so... Many times, it's just so appealing to the flesh... That they're all back in it. Every one of them. As far as I know. Uh, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So, I tried. But, that's what ends up happening a lot of the time. So, not to say I'm any whatever, but that's what happened in, in my particular case. So, let's go ahead and... Uh, Let's get into this particular article. Again, it's entitled, The Pope's New Evangelization Program, Bishop Ricken, Greg Laurie, and Calvary Chapel. One of the main goals we have at Understanding the Times is to analyze the news in light of insights found in the Word of God. With regard to Bible prophecy, we should be very aware of the doctrines of demons are taking place as part of the great falling away. 
Even those who have been known for teaching the word of God can be misled as they get caught up in the last day's apostasy. Recently, an article caught my attention with regard to Rome's new evangelization program. Now remember, Rome's going after who they consider the way, their wayward daughters, the Protestants. Okay, that's who they're primarily wanting to go after. So they've got a new evangelization program, and there's even a link to that article on Rome's new evangelization program. You can click on that for the PDF for December 11, 2011. And it's going to be on about page 4 or 5. This program put into place by Pope John Paul II is still being promoted by Pope Benedict the 16th in order to bring people to the Roman Catholic Eucharistic Jesus. Remember the Catholic communion host, the Eucharistic Jesus, through a variety of plans. The title of the article I read was, quote, The Blessed Mother, the Vatican's Secret Weapon, with a question mark behind it. Notice that the title asks a question, which the article proceeds to answer, showing how two Roman Catholic leaders, one from the USA and the other from Europe, have been both bought brought on board by Pope Benedict to provide leadership for Rome's worldwide new evangelization program. These men from two different parts of the world had something in common, which I found to be very interesting. As the article states, two esteemed men, one in the United States, Catholic bishop... Excuse me. Okay, so going back to this, two esteemed men, one of the United States Catholic bishop from Green Bay, Wisconsin, the other cardinal based in Europe, serving as the Archbishop of Vienna, which is where they make all the Vienna sausages. Just kidding, teasing. Anyway, suddenly seem to have very much in common. Both men, charged with revitalizing the Catholic faith, have courageously taken the uh, action that acknowledges the supernatural presence of Our Lady. Our Lady, meaning their Catholic Queen of Heaven, false Mary goddess that they worship. And notice, they acknowledge the supernatural presence. See, it's the signs and wonders that are going to get them. That's going to be what seals the deal. You watch. The phrase, supernatural presence of Our Lady, is important when studying about the last day's deception during the topic of lying signs and wonders. Both of these men are promoters of the unbiblical idea that Mary, the mother of Jesus, appears in apparitions giving messages from heaven as if they were more important than the word of God. And that's what ends up happening. It takes precedence over But when did the Catholic Church ever go by the Bible anyway? In their effort to revitalize the Roman Catholic Church and establish what they believe will be the kingdom of God on earth, they are promoting supernatural appearances of an apparitional woman they claim is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Paul warns about this very deception in the letter he wrote to the Galatians, saying, quote, But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you, that though which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And then it goes on to basically restate that two times in that particular portion of scripture. Now, what I did is I gave you the link here. This is why these PDFs are so important. I mean, you have no idea how much time I put into these PDFs every week. Um, Trying to get everything like one-stop shopping, you know, for you to have it all right at your fingertips where you don't have to go out and do all the research that I've had to do over the years, you can just go right here and click on it, and you're there. This is a link to the movie called Messages from Heaven, documenting the demonic Mary apparitions. You can watch the entire movie online for free. Um, You can probably find it online as well if you want to buy it. And um, typically you're going to see Mary with the whole um, 
Halo, which is an Egyptian sun disk, has nothing to do with angels or being good. And usually you'll see her with her immaculate heart, the heart in the center. That's a totally a Catholic thing. And um, I'm going to have to end part one here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the actual, how the New Agers view the ascended Master Mary. Because this is the same Mary that the Catholic Church is worshipping. And they're all tied together. I've talked about her before, but this was a good study to really drive that point home. So, God bless you, and we'll see you in part two. Scott Johnson's weekly audios are available for free 24-7 on the internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G-F-O-R-T-R-U-T-H.com. Please help us continue this work. To support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson, 2nd Line, 450 Conover, C-O-N-O-V-E-R, Boulevard West, number 202, 3rd Line, Conover, North Carolina, 28613. Or on the internet, PayPal can be used at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you, and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.